Chiefs training camp is upon us. Players, coaches, and fans are headed to Missouri Western and will spend the next month in St. Joe watching the Chiefs take shape for the 2022 season. Well, we'll see if all the players are there. Left tackle Orlando Brown might be, might not be. He and the Chiefs did not reach a long-term agreement, and he's set to play this season on the franchise tag. But will he be there when training camp begins? On today's Sports Beat KC, presented by First Federal Bank, beat writer Jesse Newell and columnist Sam McDowell discussed Brown's situation. Was the deal offered by the Chiefs fair, and was Brown right to turn it down? It's Thursday, July 21st, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. On Friday, quarterbacks, rookies, and a few others will open camp with the first full squad workout set for Wednesday, and we'll be there every step of the way. Okay, let's get started talking Chiefs with Jesse and Sam. Have you guys seen the long-term weather forecast for St. Joe? Jesse? I think Patrick, Mahom- Patrick Mahomes has, I think. He tweeted about it last week. He was none too pleased about having to put the pads on in 105-degree heat or whatever it is. But I don't I don't necessarily blame him. I think I'm going to be pretty pretty hot in my uh, shorts and bucket hat, probably. It was one of the things that we actually lucked out with last year, Blair. There, it was not like – I don't think we had any 100-degree days last year. And that's going to change on day one. <laughs> it is. I, I did look at, uh, I compared the, the St. Joe forecast to Kansas City and the, and the southern part of the metro. It is going to be warmer here in, in the southern part of the, you know, of Jackson, Johnson County than it is going to be up in, in St. Joe, but only by a couple of degrees. You're right. It's going to hit triple digits, supposed to hit forecast to hit triple digits um, in the early stages here. And that will be, uh, a little uncomfortable, but as we were saying earlier, they go in the mornings, except for the first day on Friday. It's a it's a one thirty media conference uh, with with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, but the practices go in the morning. It is cooler than um, we'll we'll all be under a tent at uh, while watching practice and then conducting interviews. But uh, I know this is kind of new territory for for Jesse and but Sam, I I can think of. Uh, players coming into the interview tent at 11:30 or so, just drenched, absolutely drenched, dripping, and um, the, the Chiefs make a lot of things comfortable for their players. That's not one of them. Yeah, I mean, um, you'd like the players to be in a mood that they're ready to uh, to chat with you, and I think they're ready to get the hell out of there after <laughs> after practice. <laughs> that first question better come quickly. Yeah, exactly. be short. Yeah, and be short. Right, right. All right. Um, so we'll be there, and uh, a lot of coaches and players for the Chiefs will be there. Um, but I'm wondering if Orlando Brown Jr. is going to be there, and that is the. That's the question, the biggest Chiefs question heading into training camp. I know uh, we're a little bit late talking about this. It happened, uh, what, Jesse, was it last Friday was the deadline, right, for for Orlando Brown to, to sign, and it did not happen. What What's what's the feeling on whether we'll, – we'll go into the details in a minute, but just the feeling of, of whether or not he comes to camp and what are the ramifications of him not being there? Yeah, uh, that's still up in the air. I I would think, you know, he did not sign his tender, his franchise tag tender, which means he's not subject to fine if he doesn't show up. Um, but obviously, if he doesn't play, then he doesn't get his 16.7 million. So 
he doesn't have a whole lot of leverage in this other than basically now. And if he wants to show that he's frustrated or mad about how the negotiations went or potentially wants to negotiate small things with the Chiefs on this franchise tag, maybe not get tagged again, then now would be the time to kind of show that, uh, you know, that frustration. So I, I mean, I, I, it's going to be, continue to be a story. I think, um, you know, Sam can correct me if he thinks differently, but I don't think he's going to be there to start. I think it's going to be a story. I think he wants it to be a story. And um, frankly, you know, I, it's, it's, it's a situation where I, I'm, I'm not sure again, the words leverage, but I, I just don't think he has much of it this time because the chiefs can franchise tag him now. And if he wants money this year, he has to play unless he wants to do like a levy on bell back in the day and not play at all. And obviously that did not turn out well for bell when he decided to hold out a whole year with the franchise tag. Uh, so that's, I don't know that he has many options here other than to hold out. Now, what he could do is he could make this painful for the chiefs. And I'm sure that the chiefs had this go through their minds during negotiations, which is if you do go outside of your principles or, or give him a little bit more or a little bit more that makes you uncomfortable, what you do is you make him happy and you bring him in the first day of camp and you don't have this potential problem. You know, if he sits out all the way through training camp and shows up back in Kansas city, then potentially the chiefs have to go week one, week two, maybe week three with a different left tackle, uh, even though he would be technically playing under his contract, but he would be, you know, getting there out of shape and, and not ready to play that first game. So that's sort of the uncomfortable part about this for the chiefs, but it's also what you have in negotiations where you're waiting for the other side to blink. So the chiefs did not give in uh, on the, the contract and they did not give Orlando Brown what he was wanting. And because of that, it sort of makes for these uneasy moments in training camp, but I'd be interested to hear what Sam has to say and what he thinks about this whole situation and kind of what he believes Orlando's next step will be moving forward. Well, I, I think the one place he does have leverage is that the chiefs don't have a backup for Orlando Brown jr. Um, so if he skips all of training camp, his starting job is not in any jeopardy at all. Um, so, you know, it's going to come down to whether or not he just wants to be out there. And there's not a lot of guys you chat with that love training camp. And, you know, he's got a good excuse now to miss it. Um, you know, but as far as the contract situation, usually when you've got a negotiation that doesn't work out, you see one side of it more than the other. I, I can completely understand both sides of this. And I actually think both sides made the right decision not to sign the contract the other side wanted. Um, from the Chiefs' perspective, they did not stretch their salary cap, and they could have. Um, you know, they've, they've spent this offseason setting themselves up so well for the long term, and I, I, they did not want one contract to alter that. Um, with Orlando Brown Jr., I think you could get more on the open market. You know, I mean, it's, it, it does not come down to whether or not Orlando Brown Jr. is the best left tackle available. It comes down to what a team is willing to pay him based on what they have available at left tackle. And to me, that's always going to get the guy in the open market more money than he deserves when you look at the rankings for how guys are paid. And so I absolutely think that Orlando Brown could make more on the open market than, you know, what we think the Chiefs offered. And, um, you know, I mean, the, the Chiefs certainly have control over one more year after this one because you can tag a player twice. Um, I don't know that they would want to go there if they had another option, because what's really been the wrinkle in these negotiations is Orlando Brown Jr. did not have an agent when free agency opened. And so the Chiefs did not firmly know what Orlando Brown's asking price was going to be until their options to replace him were gone. The public posturing leading up to this was you know, a sense that it was going to get done 
but there were there was a hint or two that it, it, it might not happen. One of them, I thought one of the more interesting quotes in in the past few months was Orlando Brown basically challenging the chief saying, uh, you don't, you don't want to go into this season without a left tackle. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I don't think I've heard a guy say that. And he, you know, he's right. He's, he's not wrong about that. Um, but also in, 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 in the public realm, there was you know, Orlando Brown at, um, you know, at what was it Patrick Mahomes wedding and, and Mahomes saying he thought it would get done. And, um, there, there, there were some reasons to believe it was going to happen, but what, what was it about the numbers that didn't make it happen, Jesse? Was it just, was it just the, in your opinion, the guaranteed money? We've seen figures thrown out there, but they're all in the same ballpark. Um, it was, it, was it the, you think it was the guaranteed money that prevented this from happening when it was supposed to happen? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of what Sam said is what it reminds me of. I, there's always kind of like that famous picture of if you're looking at it one way, the guy sees a six. And if the other guy on the other side is saying, no, it's a nine. And that's sort of what I, I kind of see with this is that, uh, you know, from hearing a lot of people and, you know, hearing a lot of opinions about the specific contract um, for one, I mean, let's just start. I, I, I like want to just embrace or, or start with what this contract wasn't. It was not the richest contract in left tackle history because, I think what's easy to do is cherry pick this and say, well, they offered 44 million on the end, which never would have gotten paid and say the chiefs offered him the highest left tackle money and he turned it down. And like, I've seen this on social media. I've seen people be like, Orlando Brown is a monster. Why would you turn down that contract? That wasn't the contract. You know what I mean? That was just funny money thrown in at the end so that you can say you had the highest annual average value, but it really wasn't. I mean, what, what this comes down to is the guaranteed money. And so Sort of what I've gathered from from listening to people talk about this and people who know the cap, uh, you know, better than I would, is that we always hear this right tackle, left tackle money. And obviously, Orlando Brown wanted to be a left tackle. Part of the reason he signed with the Chiefs was to be a left tackle. Um, so he obviously considers himself that. But but what has kind of taken place this past offseason, too, I think, is some of these numbers have gotten crazy. And we can talk about whether it's tackle or not, but it's also like wide receiver, you know, like the Tyree Hill situation. This is why the Chiefs don't have Tyree Hill anymore is because the wide receiver market looked like it was at a certain point. The Chiefs were willing to go to that point. And then Devontae Adams got traded and it went to a different level. And the Chiefs said, well, no, 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 we, we're at this level. Like, like we're not well willing or able to go and remake a new market. We, we thought he was worth this and he's saying he's worth more. So you trade him. And so part of that, I think, happened with Orlando Brown here, which is, um, you know, some of this money has gotten crazy and, and people are blowing out the market on this sort of stuff. And um, so because of that and because, you know, you're looking at these money and you're saying, well, if you're the Chiefs last year, you could have budgeted X number amount and you thought you could get them for X number amount. Well, maybe he's thinking more now because it's a year later because these numbers are sort of inflated. So I think the other part about this is you hear this a lot, but it's sort of a prove it deal on the the salary. I'm sorry, on the franchise tag, which is, you know, Orlando Brown, if he would have played a little bit better last year, you know, maybe we could talk about him being in the 20 to 21 million dollar guaranteed per year range and that he's a young player. He'd be ascending more. But um, he, I think all indications out there is that he is a good player, but not an elite player at the position just yet. So um, to have him on the tag, I think the Chiefs sort of probably like that. You know, if he plays great this year, um, then yeah, you got great value out of him or have a chance to still negotiate. If he doesn't, then you didn't commit yourself long-term, which potentially, as Sam talked about, could put you in a hole down the line. He was a pro bowler, um, but I agree. He's not in the, he's certainly not in the um, Ronnie Staley, Trent Williams category 
of, of left tackles. Um, just to bring back something you said earlier, Jesse, Orlando Brown has made less than $7 million in his career. He's been playing on his rookie contract. Um, he, he, he wants money. He wants the money. And I think the, the guarantee would have been about 18. Is it with, with the chief's contract, it would have guaranteed about 18.2 million over the, over the length of the contract. Yeah, I mean, it's been a couple different figures. Schefter had one, Garofalo had another one. One was 18.2, one was 19. Mm. And again, if you look into the shifting market, I mean, um, that's probably the range you would expect it to be um, from what he is. And even if you go and look at like some of the highest paid right tackles, it's sort of in that range too, which is where we get to the left tackle, right tackle thing. But um, again, I can kick this over to Sam just because uh, I kind of wonder your thoughts. Sam, I think to me, the Chiefs probably offered about what in line I would have thought they would have offered considering the Tyreek Hill situation, how they walked away from it. I guess the only thing in my mind is sort of what we're talking about this training camp, which is the Chiefs are expecting to win this year. They're expecting to try to compete for a Super Bowl this year. And so they've talked about how they like Orlando Brown. Pat, Patrick Mahomes has talked about how he likes Orlando Brown. Um, Orlando Brown has talked about how he likes the Chiefs. I mean, is there any, I'm Mr. Hard Numbers guy, but is there any incentive for the Chiefs to bump that number up one million a year, two million. You're getting to that 1920 range just so you don't deal with the headache of a potential holdout, and you're starting maybe this season a step or two behind you would. And also, you just sort of give the good vibes of hey, everybody's happy, everybody's moving in the right direction. You start this season off on a different foot. Yeah, I mean, I I, I kind of think the Chiefs did that a little bit. I mean, when you look at Orlando Brown's um, a lot of his numbers, he he rates somewhere in the middle of the pack. I mean, it's not even like the the upper tier, let alone, you know, one of the, the five best. I don't think he's one of the 10 best to be, to be frank. So um, they did with the guarantees. I mean, you look at the, some of the numbers reported on the, the the total guarantees in the contract, they weren't that far off from some of the, you know, top four or five left tackles in the game. Um, I, I thought that the chiefs would go up to 20 million, you know, per year. And they, they settled just shy of that. And, you know, I, I think Trent Williams is, what, at 23, but I don't think anyone else has hit 20. Um, so I, I thought that he was going to get under Trent Williams' money, but I thought he'd, he'd reset the, you know, the sort of best of the rest market. And it didn't seem like the Chiefs were even necessarily willing to go there. Um, so I, I don't think that this is going to be I, – I think it's going to be something that we talk about and we should talk about often during training camp. I don't know how big of an effect it's going to have on the Chiefs season overall. It's not the worst thing in the world to have a guy playing on a contract that he literally is betting on himself to, to get more. And in order for that to occur, he's got to have a better season than he did last year. Now, he was better down the stretch than he was to open the season. And so there's reason to believe he will have a better season. But, you know, you're, you're going to get a motivated player. And that, that's not the worst thing in the world to have. Well, yeah, we talked about it too. Just it, it's it, there's just not much that he can do, you know. Like he can hold out, and he potentially could miss a couple games because he held out and didn't get to camp. But it's the Chiefs bidding against themselves here. You know what I mean? Like the contract the Chiefs were giving, it's like, well, you know, they could have him on the tag for this sixteen point seven million. So uh, it makes for an interesting dynamic because you don't just write him a blank check, but at the same time, you know, there might be a little bit of headaches that come about if he does sign on the tag. Yeah, and, and and just one point to make there is that, you know, it, holding out does – the reason it does him no good is you you cannot negotiate anymore under the NFL rules until the season's over. So it's not like he can hold out. And I, I know you you two know this, but to inform our listeners, you know, it's 
it's not as though he can hold out for a couple of weeks and the Chiefs can reimburse him for it later and give him the contract he wants if he holds out. Like, those days are over. They cannot negotiate this contract until the season ends. So that's why we, we say his, his leverage here is, is gone. The only leverage he has is just to, to skip training camp out of his own volition. Uh, allowed six sacks last year. Do we know what it, what was his pro football f- focus number? He was like right around like the 15 to 20 range, I believe. Hmm. Um, okay. Well, look, somebody looked that up and we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll pick up the conversation on Sportsbeat KC. Buying your first home is a huge milestone, but the journey there can be confusing. First Federal Bank of Kansas City is here to make it simple. After nearly a century of serving the KC community, our loan advisors have experience in every type of housing market. With a short phone call, we can give you a free rate quote and talk through loan options. No pressure, no obligation. The road to home ownership can be simple with First Federal Bank. Get started with a free quote at ffbkc.com homes. First Federal Bank of Kansas City, because banking is personal. Member FDIC, Equal Housing when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. We're back on Sportsbeat KC talking Chiefs with Jesse Newell and Sam McDowell. And before we went to the break, I was trying to figure out where Orlando Brown Jr. ranked on uh, on Pro Football Focus's list. I think we have found that. Sam, what'd you come up with? Yes, it's thirtieth overall among tackles, but that includes left and right tackles. So you know, there's sixty four starters. So he's he's right in the middle of the pack. Um, he's he grades below average as a run blocker, um, a little bit better as a pass blocker, but he's still. But most guys at those positions are better pass blockers than they are run blockers. Um, so even though he, he grades better as a pass blocker, he's still below average in that. Um, he allowed 26 hurries, according to Pro Football Focus, which was the 16th most um, among left and right tackles combined last year. Um, so, Look, I, I know it's only one – one set of evaluations. I mean, we all use pro football focus. We think they do a good job. Um, uh, I, I don't know if that, what should that suggest to the chiefs? Um, did, obviously they, they offered what they believed was a fair contract. Um, and, you know, and they've negotiated, went back and forth um, and ultimately decided to, to, to stick with what they had and and then place the franchise, you know, then you know, have the, have, you know, have them play under the franchise tag. 
should those numbers, it, it was Orlando Brown being um, a little too greedy? I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, every NFL player I think should be greedy. Um, I mean, your, your, your window is so short. And when you think you have the, the best negotiation position, you got to use it. And I thought Orlando Brown was in a really good spot because the Chiefs don't have another option. And yeah, follow, I think that, finish that thought. I want to follow up on that. Well, I, I mean, if let's look at the Tyree Kill situation, for example, that happened before um, the offseason began, before free agency began. So the Chiefs could backfill what they lost with Tyree Kill in the draft with Sky Moore and free agency with Juju Smith-Schuster and Mar- Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Like, there's other options now. They remade their wide receiver core and lost Tyree Kill in the exact same season, offseason. With Orlando Brown, because he didn't have an agent um, until the summer, and now is when we know that Orlando Brown's not going to get the long-term extension, he's their option at left tackle. Like, there's, they don't have another option to go get a left tackle. I mean, other teams have their rosters in place. They're not exactly looking to get rid of guys in their roster. You know, last year when the Chiefs made the trade for Orlando Brown, it was before the draft. Um, first of all, it was, a, it was a team that had an excess of that position with the Baltimore Ravens. They had two left tackles, if, if you counted Orlando Brown as a left tackle, not a right tackle. Um, and then the draft w- w- was coming up. I mean, the Ravens got draft capital that, that year. Now you basically would be banking on a team that doesn't feel like they're going to make the playoffs. Um, so they're willing to just take on draft capital next year, not improve their roster this year. If they trade, you know, it had to be a good player to justify it. So the Chiefs, I thought going into these negotiations were not in a great spot. You know, Orlando Brown has to be their left tackle next year. Um, but they decided, okay, he's got to be the left tackle next year. Doesn't mean he has to be the left tackle, you know, in two years, three years, and four years. All right. So how does it line up behind Orlando Brown Jr.? What what is the, what's the depth chart say about um, uh, about that position? Or on the right side, do you move Andrew Wiley over? What what what's the Chiefs' fallback on this, Jesse? If um, you know they've got to start camp without Orlando Brown. Yeah, I mean, we could speculate here. I mean, the the proof's gonna be in the pudding once we get out there, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's sort of what training camp is for. Is we're gonna see who's at left tackle to start. I would sure guess that they would put a guy like Jerron Christian out there um, and just sort of let him have those reps. As Sam said, it sure seems like at some point your left tackle is gonna be Orlando Brown this year, um, unless something crazy happens that we don't expect. But I mean, Joe Tooney is the other option. They did that, I believe, it was the Cincinnati game last year, the first Cincinnati game where they moved him and. Honestly, things worked out just fine in that one game where he was able to to slide over to that spot. I don't think you want that as your long-term solution there. And so that's sort of what's tricky with the Chiefs is, like I said, if there's an extended Orlando Brown holdout, you probably don't want to shuffle for two or three games or prepare for three or four weeks for those two or three games. So I, that, that, to me, would say that you would not want to move Tooney out of his natural spot if you knew he was going to have to move back to or was going to move back to left guard after those first couple games. So I would think they'll stick a, a, a fill in there for now and, and hope that Orlando Brown decides to, you know, uh, hold out however long he needs to a training camp and be ready for week one. And if he is, then, you know, the Chiefs have their setup and they have things ready to roll for that first game against Arizona. Yeah, I mean, when they move Tooney out there, it is an important thing to note. Um, but also, you know, their numbers are limited because it's based on how many you dress on game day. And now they've got anybody on their roster is available to play out there. And also, we all know it's just a fill-in guy. 
Um, so I do think it's, it's going to be um, Christian. Um, you know, Lucas Niang is not healthy. I'm sure some people are wondering about that option. Um, I don't know that Lucas Niang is going to be a guy you can count on to get much out of the season, let alone, you know, in training camp and by week one. Um, he was not even doing drills. Uh, you know, he was just dressed in his uniform, but not doing contact drills and, and OTAs and mini camp. Um, so the options aren't great. And, you know, this is the exercise that I'm sure Lando Brown and his representation were making when they went into this negotiation period. This is the origin of the Orlando Brown quote. Um, don't want to go into this season without a left tackle. That, right. This is what he was talking about. Okay, so no love for Prince Tego Wanogo. You know he was um, he was an interesting option last year at, around this time um, at training camp because I don't think he was on any of our radar, and all of a sudden um, he was you know he was getting a lot of reps with the twos, and we all thought, all right, well it looks like they they think more of this guy than they did the first week of training camp. So he did something to impress Andy Heck last year. Um, and you know, a couple games he he was able to dress out. Um, so yeah, I think it's possible that there could be some sort of split reps. As as much as what we'll, we'll hear the first day of training camp was, you know, we're going to rotate some guys in. Andy Hack likes to rotate all those guys. <laughs> they don't rotate the guys. Guys stick at the positions. You know, last year they opened with Trey Smith as a starter from the first snap of training camp, and Trey Smith started as a sixth round draft pick week one, like the five they opened with last year were the five we saw on week one and throughout training camp. So they're going to tell us not to read too much into who's going to be at left tackle to open can. Like I'm telling you, read into it because that's who they've spent all off season deciding and, and grading their guys and watching OTAs and just saying, this is the group that makes the most sense. If we were to start a game tomorrow. You're right, Sam, when there's a, when there's a position switch at practice, a training camp uh, on the offensive line, it's usually, you know, on the opposite side of the field from where we're sitting in the tent, the, the mad scramble that goes on in the media tent when someone's someone news working with the ones, Oh my God, that's tweets fly out and, you know, grainy film. It's, it's, it's amazing what happens when there's a, when there's a, a, a two finally getting to work with the ones. It's it's the, the reason it's actually the reason I love training camp. Um, and I know I said that, you know, you won't find players that say they love training camp. I personally love training camp because they cannot hide information from us at training camp. The way it's, the one camp. It's, yeah, it's the only time of the year that that's possible. Yeah, exactly. All right, Jesse, tell us what's uh, what's going on. Full squad will not be there on Friday when uh, some players arrive. Who arrives and and then how does it work from there? Yeah, you probably should be asking Sam because he's the one that's been <laughs> through this whole thing. Um, but no, it, it's the rookies the start. But like uh, Sam said, I think it's uh, Mahomes and Reed to talk that first day. And then from there, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be learning along with the rest of you guys. Uh, you know, the next week is, I believe it's the 20, uh, let's see, 20. I want to say Wednesday's fifth, the first day. Um, there's Monday 25th is the report day. So I think Wednesday is the first day that they're there. But 
Full yeah, ready to get going. This is going to be fun. Um, and I don't know if it seemed like this to you guys, but I saw a comment out there that said longest NFL offseason ever. And it's my first year on the beat, but I feel like it's the longest NFL offseason ever. I feel like things have kind of dragged here in the last few weeks. So ready to get out there, ready to write some stories. And uh, obviously there's going to be lots of fans there coming to starting that last week of July. That'll be interested to see what the 2022 Chiefs are going to look like. All right. And before we wrap it up, just a quick thought from each of you guys. on is there a position group uh, that will command more of your attention than others. Uh, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, and I'm not talking about, you know, who, who the fourth tight end might be, although that's with the chiefs, that's always an interesting you know question, but how about a position group as a whole? And we'll, we'll get out on that. Um, and then of course, this is a topic we'll explore in a bigger way as we continue these chats. But um, Jesse, what do you think? Is there any, um, what side of the ball and what group? Yeah, I'm going to lean uh, offense, and I'll probably steal Sam's thunder maybe a little bit, but it, it seems to me like receivers and running backs are uh, – we we don't know who's going to make back into the roster on those specific positions. So there seems to be a lot of interest, especially at, at wide receiver. We kind of know the top four that are locked in, but the two beyond that, how much will they be needed for special teams? Can Josh Gordon solidify a spot? Um, you know, Corey Coleman, what's his role, you know, is Justin Watson continue his trend upward, that sort of thing. And then, yeah, when they brought back, uh, Jarek McKinnon, that sort of added to a very crowded running back room as well. So even the numbers on the specific offensive positions make you wonder, you know, can they keep, are they going to keep four tight ends? If they do, they keep their fullback. If they do, then how many wide receivers can you keep? All that is kind of a domino effect, but I think my eyes will mostly be on those two positions and seeing the back end of those who is going to make this roster because there's going to be a lot of competition. You think, Sam? Yeah, I'm going to twist it a little bit and say, like, who do they need to have? What positions do they really need guys to step up in? Because, it, first of all, it's, it's kind of something I'm working on this week. But um, George Karloftis, I think, is going to be perhaps the key guy that if you said, hey, we need one guy to have a really good training camp, who, who do you pick? I think it would be George Karloftis because the position group of defensive end and Really, the whole defensive line, I think, is the Chiefs should be the Chiefs' biggest worry going into the season. We heard all off season that they were going to remodel their defensive line, and since one year earlier, we'd heard the same about offensive line and saw them open with five new starters. I think we thought there was going to be a bigger makeover than what there was, and right now it looks like remodeling their defensive line was just drafting one with their second first round pick, and I don't think that's going to be enough compared to how bad their pass rush was by the end of the season last year. I, I think it's the reason they lost the Bengals game that nobody talks about because of everything else that went wrong in the Bengals game. So I, I think that's the position group that the Chiefs are going to need some guys to step, whether it's Colin Saunders finally making his step forward. I think we all thought as a rookie, Colin Saunders is going to be a pretty good player. Um, Certainly a great athlete. Yeah. I mean, he's good enough to, to be – a bigger contributor than what we've seen. And injuries have played a role in that over the past couple of seasons, but he's got to have a big year. Um, so I, I just think they're in a spot where they're going to have to have some guys step up at defensive line. And that's a really interesting spot this year. Yeah. I'd have gone, I would agree with both of you. I'd have gone running back on offense and, and defensive end on the, on the other side of the ball. Okay. Listen, always great chatting with you guys. And just a note to, you know, to our listeners that we're going to be doing something like this almost every day from training camp. We'll have a, a daily conversation with beat writers, with columnists. We're still sorting out the details, but look forward to that um, as we bring you 
the complete coverage from St. Joe Mo uh, starting on Friday. All right, guys, thanks a lot. Thanks, Blair. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC staff of Randy Mason, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. A salute to our sponsor, First Federal Bank. Their website is ffbkc.com. And a tip of the cap to Jesse Newell and Sam McDowell for sharing their insights. Morning Sports Edition, you know I love it. You will too. I'm going to go ahead and call it. It is the best sports section in the country. See what I mean at liveedition.kansascity.com. Okay, thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC.